You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of Straight Up Saints. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. Make sure, as always, to follow me on Twitter at Rosvogel Report and on Instagram at Saints underscore Straight Up and on Facebook at Straight Up Saints. Very simple right there. And I'll leave the links to all the social media platforms in the description to this episode. Now, this one's not going to be as long as usual, and there's nothing super crazy to talk about in terms of breaking news, acquisitions, stuff like that, but there's an interesting debate going around the league, and it has to do with the Saints' arguably best player, and in my opinion, the best player on the team right now, in Michael Thomas, and where he ranks among the top wide receivers in the league, and this all started during an Instagram dispute with Devontae Parker, the Miami Dolphins. And it came down to a poll Fox put out, which is tougher, making a catch while guarded by Stephon Gilmore or breaking up a pass while guarding Michael Thomas. And either one's great. You're talking about the defensive player of the year and the offensive player of the year. And they're both going to be challenges and they're both elite players and they're two of the best in the league, not even just at their position, just overall. And Devontae Parker puts A. And when you think about why he chose A, you're also thinking about a guy who actually bested Stephon Gilmore at the end of the regular season. So in Devontae's mind, he's probably tooting his own horn while saying this. Mike sees it, and Mike responds, for you, yes, go run some numbers up, then you can talk, I lapped you and you've been in the league longer than me, first rounder, and that's actually the truth, if you look at the numbers, and I put them up on Twitter for everyone to see, it's not even particularly close, Michael Thomas, in four years of work, has 470 receptions for 5,512 yards and 32 touchdowns, Devontae Parker, in five years of work, 235 receptions, so literally half, 3,419 yards, so he's 2,000 yards behind Michael Thomas, and 18 touchdowns, so he's 14 touchdowns behind uh, Mike. And you look at the numbers, again, like I said, not close, and this is one guy who has one year less worth of work in the NFL. That just shows how dominant he's been. Now, Devontae Parker responds, got some hard feelings there, brother. Let me get targeted 300 times a game. And that's where, in my opinion, this whole thing goes south. Devontae Parker is actually a pretty good receiver, and he had, in my opinion, a B-plus season. I thought he was pretty good. He played well with the Dolphins. Him and Fitzpatrick were on a pretty good, you know, page in Rappaport there. If you go into the targets, and this is what cracks me up, someone put how many targets, um, it, I mean, if Devontae Parker had Michael Thomas's targets, how would his numbers look? And his numbers actually would be 104 receptions, for 1,737 yards, which is 12 more than what Mike would have, and 13 touchdowns, which is four more than Mike would have. And everyone was like, oh, wow, look at this big deal. Devontae's better than Michael Thomas. But he's not. And if you look at what, in my opinion, is the telling stat, it's a completion percentage when you're throwing each receiver. The Saints quarterbacks, Breeze, Taysom, Teddy, they threw the ball to Michael Thomas 185 times. He came down with 149 of those, which, by the way, broke the record for most receptions in all time in a single season. If you threw the ball 185 times to Devontae Parker, he's only coming down with 104 of those. So you're basically weighing, do you want to have an 80% completion percentage when you throw to a receiver, or do you want a 55% completion percentage? And you ask any quarterback, they're going to take the 80. Not only is it better for their stats, but it means you're an efficient offense, you're moving the chain, and that's what Michael Thomas does. And I also find it funny, though, that people don't realize there's two different types of receivers. There are guys who can stretch the field, all of Devontae Parker or Mike Evans and guys of that magnitude, and there are guys that will just beat you with every intermediate and short route, and that's Michael Thomas. Now, Michael Thomas, if he needs to go deep, can go deep, but people don't realize this offense is not constructed about Michael Thomas going deep. 
your quarterback and Drew Brees can't throw the ball that far anymore. What do you do? You get a dominant receiver who's going to beat you inside the numbers. And everyone knows it's coming. And the excuse that people make is, oh, well, you know, if my receiver ran 50 slants a game, he'd be okay. It's not about the slants. Nick Underhill proved it with his latest piece on New Orleans Dot Football. If you take the slants and all the receptions that Michael Thomas has gotten from that single route out of his production from 2019, he still leads the league in receptions and receiving yards. That's how good he's been. It's not just about the slants. It's about the curls. It's about the posts. It's about the out routes. It's about the drags. Michael Thomas does so many things, but you got a lot of kids who've been playing mad and they don't understand what's going on. They'll tell you, oh, all he does is run slants. It's not the truth. It's simply not. Another issue I have with this whole debate is, oh, well, he plays with Drew Brees. He's got Sean Payton. And look at Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker has Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's, he's, you know, he used to play with Adam Gase. It's not a good system. I will give you the Gase excuse, but I will not give you the excuse that Michael Thomas is good just because of his system. Because I won't. Because why is Michael Thomas doing something we've never seen any Saints wide receiver, Saints tight end, Saints running back do ever before? We're talking about all-time stuff with his numbers. No wide receiver has had a better start to their career than Michael Thomas. That's a telling fact if, 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 if I'm looking at those numbers. Marcus Colston was great. He didn't do what Michael Thomas is doing. Jimmy Graham was on a tear. He's not coming close to what Michael Thomas is doing. Someone had the gall to mention Brandon Cooks on Twitter. Michael Thomas is the reason Brandon Cooks wanted out because he couldn't live in a rookie shadow because Michael Thomas came in right away and knew he was the alpha dog in that wide receiver room. People don't get that. And I went. I decided I'm going to break down the numbers, go into it, and see what would Michael Thomas' 2019 season look like if Teddy, B, if Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback for all 16 games. And how I did this was I took the five starts, I broke it down, did the uh, per-game averages, and then timed it by 16 for your regular season games, and here's what we came down to. Michael Thomas, with Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback, per projections from the five starts, 1,763 receiving yards. That's pretty damn good if you ask me. 9.6 touchdowns. I'll even drop it down. Let's keep it at 9 touchdowns and 134 receptions. Here's what I find fascinating. Do you know what that tells me? With Teddy Bridgewater, Michael Thomas's yards per catch goes up. So what does that tell you? This isn't a knock on Breeze, by the way. Drew Breeze is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Drew's just not going to stretch the field. Teddy Bridgewater was actually stretching the field a little bit more than Drew. I know Drew's a better quarterback. This is not about who's the better quarterback here. It's to show, though, when Mike needs to, his yards per catch can go up. It, he's not just an 11 yards per catch type guy. He can be a 15, a 16 yard per catch type receiver if need be. He just doesn't need to because that's not the way the offense is constructed. Now, if you're saying, oh, well, Bridgewater, you know, technically should get the start for that Rams game. Cool. I factored those numbers in and the numbers do drop a little bit, but I still find them very interesting. You have 138 receptions, so receptions actually go up from the five-game projection. You have eight touchdowns. It goes down, but it's still eight touchdowns. And you have 1,706 receiving yards. So regardless of any bullshit that someone's going to tell you about Michael Thomas and where he should rank among wide receivers, guess what? He's still going to have over 1,700 receiving yards regardless of who was going to be his quarterback last year, if it was Bridgewater or it was Drew Brees. And... What I also find very fascinating is running mates. We don't take that into account enough. You know, Mike Evans has Chris Godwin. Stephon Diggs used to have Adam Thielen. Uh, even Antonio Brown had Juju Smith-Schuster and vice versa. Michael Thomas's guy across from him was either Ted Ginn or Traquan Smith. Ted Ginn's not that good anymore. Traquan Smith has never been good. So 
He's doing this while being the main target. And he was doing it in a season where Drew Brees went down. He, you know, his thumb wasn't 100%. Jared Cook took a while to get going. It wasn't until week 10 when Jared Cook finally emerged on the scene. You're like, you know what? He is a go-to weapon. Uh, and then the running group. I mean, Alvin Kamara is dealing with an ankle injury. He's dealing with a knee, in- uh, knee injury. There were so many things going around. It'd be easy to game plan among just a, one guy and say, all right, we're going to attack him, and he's not going to beat us. And yet, time and time again, he did that. You knew it was still coming, and you just simply couldn't stop him, and that's a testament to his greatness. And I was on uh, Sports Overtime with Nader and Brian yesterday. Great show. If you guys haven't listened to it, they have a nice show planned for this Thursday. And I was saying it. Everyone keeps saying, we want guys to have that Jordan edge. We want people to not be buddy-buddy with other players, to get in their grill, to say things that maybe you wouldn't say um, to someone that you would consider a friend make enemies and Michael Thomas does that and Michael Thomas has that edge he takes everything personal but when Michael Thomas does it most of the public says nah you know what maybe you don't do it someone else do it um they kind of do the same thing with Odell if you have an edge if they're not the player that they like they say I don't really like that edge I take it as being a baby um and that's what I love about Mike Mike is he takes everything personal like don't think for a second he wasn't watching that playoff performance against Minnesota over and over again. And even though he had a broken hand, he's thinking to himself, how could I be better? And frankly, I don't know how he could have been better because he was targeted eight times and he came down with seven of those catches. Um, and yeah, maybe you could say eight for eight, sure. But the reality is you can only catch whatever's thrown to you. And Mike, for some reason, has this reputation around the league that he's a big baby, that he doesn't get along with people. And yeah, sure, maybe he doesn't get along with his rivals, but he gets along with well with his teammates. Teammates always come to his defense. Um, and I, I really think, you know, if you're Mike, just keep chugging along and do this. And I like this shtick. And I think this is the reason why Michael Thomas, year by year, continues to get better. And if you look at the numbers, we're talking about a, a guy who went from 1,100 receiving yards to 1,200 receiving yards to 1,400, and then 1,700 takes off. And you keep thinking to yourself, can he get better? Probably can. And maybe the numbers won't show it next year, but I think Michael Thomas is going to get even better because every little thing that you do, you think it bothers him. And on some level, it's not about bothering him. It's about him just wanting his respect. And people don't see it that way. And I would too if I were him. And before I get into the whole playoff you know, BS that's going around and that narrative that he doesn't play well in big games, this is what impressed me the most about this past season. Michael Thomas had a record-breaking season after he got paid. Usually you pay a receiver $100 million, you close your eyes, you're like, holy crap, we made a mistake. And if you're the Saints, you're like, I don't even know if $20 million a year was enough for him. If he's going to produce on that level, it's not enough for him. That's what impresses me. God, everyone's always tried to say Michael Thomas is going to be the next AB or TO. Look, maybe he might be, but I don't see it. Because those type of guys would not hold out for a week, get paid, instantly come back and put up those numbers. On a winning football team, nonetheless. The Saints aren't losing games in the playoffs because of Michael Thomas. I can tell you that much. There's, there's bigger issues there. Uh, he is not the issue. He's a winner. He was a winner at Ohio State. He's a winner with the Saints. They have won games constantly since they drafted him. But since I'm talking about the playoffs, since I'm talking about whether or not he's a winner, let's get into the numbers because there's this funny thing going around. Mike's not good in the playoffs. Mike's not built for the postseason. I beg to differ. So let's start off with his first playoff game. It's against Carolina, wild card round in the Dome, eight receptions, 131 yards. That seems like a pretty good game to me. When you say eight catches, 131 yards, that's pretty good. How about the second game, NFC divisional round, that is against Minnesota. That's the Minnesota Miracle game. We know, we know. Didn't go well. But 
The only reason the Saints started coming back in that game is because Michael Thomas was absolutely abusing Xavier Rhodes every single snap. He finishes that game with seven receptions for 85 yards and two touchdowns. That seems like a pretty good game if you ask me. And if you go back and look at Drew Brees' numbers, which weren't great in that game, for him to come down with seven catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns, that's a great game. But again, we have this stupid narrative that he's not great I don't I, in the playoffs. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it continues to go around. But whatever. Let's keep going with this stupid bullshit that people keep saying. How about the third playoff game? This one's just absurd. The Saints are down against the Eagles about two touchdowns. It's not looking good. They're basically dragging their feet against an opponent that has playoff experience, championship pedigree. And then Michael Thomas says, that's it. I'm just going to abuse the crap out of this Philly secondary. He finishes that game with 12 catches, 171 yards, and a touchdown. Repeat, 12 catches, 171 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, those are those are Larry Fitzgerald-esque playoff numbers that he put up in that game. And he was the reason they won that game. A lot of people will say it's Lattimore, and I'll, I guess I'll agree in a sense. He did have two picks. If Michael Thomas doesn't expose that Philly secondary every single snap, they're not winning that game. And they don't get to the NFC Championship game. And let's talk about the NFC Championship, because that's the one people love to use. Four catches, 36 yards, everyone says he got shut down. Michael Thomas was open on that slant that Drew missed. It hits the floor. He was open. And if he gets that, he's probably scoring for 20-yard touchdown, 15-yard touchdown, wherever they were. Uh, I don't remember the exact line of scrimmage, but if he gets that, he's scoring a touchdown. It's a two-way street. The guy who throws the ball needs to be on pace with the guy who catches it. And they weren't that game. And remember, the Rams knew going into that one, they needed to put all their attention towards Michael Thomas. And why? Because the first time they met, Michael Thomas torched them for over 200 receiving yards. Forget about putting Marcus Peters on him. They put Tlaib. They had safety help. They had bracket coverage. They did everything in their power to make sure that he wasn't going to go off. And they succeeded, and I tipped my cap to them. But at the end of the day, the Saints should have won that game. And when they win that game, you don't talk about, oh, he only had 36 receiving yards. You talk about, oh, the Saints are on their way to the Super Bowl. It's all about narrative, guys. It's all about what happens. Um, And it's easy to twist things around. But Michael Thomas only having 36 receiving yards in a game where Josh Hill got knocked out with a concussion. Benjamin Watson wasn't playing because of appendicitis. Dan Arnold couldn't catch a freaking cold. So you're telling me it's it's Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, who, by the way, had that big catch towards the end. Traquan Smith, nothing, nothing there. Kirkwood, injured, doesn't play. So it's Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, and Alvin Kamara, basically, just the three of them making plays. That's it. And... What do you expect to do? One of them's not going to get their their production out. It was him for that game. Kamara was the one who was the beneficiary in the receiving game. And how about the Vikings game? Like I said, seven catches, 70 yards. Not good, not great, but not bad either. So if I'm looking at his overall playoff numbers, you give me 131 yards, 85 yards and two touchdowns, 171 yards and one touchdown. And yeah, the last two games have been different. They have schemed him different. He's getting more double teams than he's used to. I get that. But the quarterback's also not playing that well in those games either. The offensive line is not playing well in that game either. Why are we singling out one guy? Why? Because they are intimidated by the success he's had. That's the only possible answer to all this. The only reason Michael Thomas gets as much shit as he does from the public, it's either two reasons. You're pissed that he's not on your team, which, by the way, I would be pissed if I was, if I was a fan of a team that didn't have him. And two, for some reason, we are threatened by the fact that historical context And what he's on pace for are things that we haven't seen in a while. I tweeted this out. Mike actually ended up liking it. Not surprised. He loves to toot his own horn. And if I were him, I would toot my own horn every single day. I said, Michael Thomas gets a lot of shit for saying, you know, 
They say he's not Julio. They say he's not Hopkins. They say he's not Calvin. They say he's not Andre Johnson, for God's sakes. I don't care who they say he's not. Here's what I know. Over the last 25 years, I think it's a little bit more than that, but over those span, only two wide receivers have won Offensive Player of the Year. First one's Michael Thomas from this past season, and you had to go all the way back to Jerry Rice to find the last wide receiver to win that Offensive Player of the Year award. And no, Michael Thomas is not Jerry Rice. Not even close, okay? What I am telling you, though, is this guy is doing things that your favorite wide receiver is not doing. So I would be mad, too. And if, if I'm a Falcons fan, go ahead, be bitter. But Michael Thomas, the proof is in the pudding, is better than Julio Jones at this juncture. It's better than DeAndre Hopkins. I saw someone say Devontae Adams. I don't even think they're in the same area code. But you know what? If we're going to mention him, he's way better than Devontae Adams, too. So, I just don't get it. I don't get why we choose to attack him and take it as if he's being a baby. The guy's looking for his respect. He's four years in, continues to become an all-pro threat, and yet the respect level is not great. So, if I'm Mike, I'm pretty pissed, too, in that regard. Uh, Before I end the show, guys, I want to tell you, stay tuned next week. As of now, I have a really fun guest planned for the show. If something changes, I will let you guys know. But if they do have him on, he will be a player who received All-Pro honors this past season. Unfortunately, it won't be Mike, but it was an All-Pro from the Saints. And that should happen on Wednesday or Thursday of next week. If anything changes, I will update you guys on Twitter. But look forward to that show. Should be a fun one um, for sure. Um, and also, I'm probably going to get back to doing a call-in show with you know a lack of Saints topics right now. Have you guys come on, take, give your takes. I think that would be fun um, for sure. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. If you haven't already, go on iTunes, leave five stars, leave a review if you please, um, if you really want to, and, and just subscribe because you're going to get the episodes faster than anyone else on any other platform. Um, it's the best way to get every new episode. So thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned for more content on the Straight Up Saints podcast. And until then, I look forward to talking Saints football with you guys next week.